Dr. Kimberly Earle from Edgeworth Medical Animal Medical Centre and Cheryl Shaw from Dog Overboard. Welcome, ladies. Hello. How are you? I'm excited. I love canaries. <laughs> They're pretty cute. They, they are. And they because I'm into sound. The the song of the canary is just unparalleled in the bird world for me. Love it. Mm, it's pretty nice. So we'll be talking with Jim Jenkins, will we, Cheryl? Yes, that's correct. All Jim's right. quite an enthusiast, so he should give us some um, nice information today. Cheryl Shaw is with us from Dog Overboard and Dr Kimberly Earle from the Edgeworth Animal Medical Centre, as well as Jim Jenkins, the canary expert. Hello, Jim. Hello, Meryl. How are you? We're all terrific. I'll leave it to Cheryl to have a yak to you about these beautiful birds. Right, Aileen. Oh, welcome um, along, Jim. Thank you for coming to speak with us. I just Thanks wanted... for having me. That's my pleasure. I was just wanting um, to let the, the listeners know just what an amazing setup you have with your canaries. For your birds, I think it's like living at the Hilton or the Ritz. It's absolutely <laughs> um, beautiful, and to hear the whistling and chirping emanating from your bird room is quite something. Uh, and not to mention the uh, manic- the absolute meticulous um, cleanliness of your bird room. So, how long have you had an interest in canaries? Well, I'd say from 11 years old, I've had them off and on, yeah. And uh, uh, and uh, I went to sea for uh, oh, about 23 years, and my wife looked after them. And then I've, I've been ashore now for uh, about 20 odd years, and. So it's about 20-odd years I've had them now. Okay. And there's lots of varieties of canaries. Which are the most popular? Well, you've got your borders and you've got your fifes. They're about the, the most common. You've got other varieties too, uh, like your uh, Norwich, uh, Yorkies, which are uh, you know, another uh, fifes. You've got your fifes. Yeah, I said that. And uh, oh, uh, Coronas. And and a few others. Yeah, and keeping an individual male canary is quite common, um, and and they're generally kept for their whistling. Are they easy to look after? They are. You know, like if you only want a whistler, well, all you've got to do is you know plain canary seed, your uh, cuttlefish, uh, and just purchase a little bit of uh, tonic seed, and you know just for a bit of variety, and uh, uh, give it that, give them that. A, twice a week and, you know, your greens, you know. Jim, am I hearing correctly, is it only the fellas that whistle? You do every now and again get a, a female that will whistle. Not as good, but they will whistle, but that's very rare. Okay. Very rare. Why do you actually give them that cuttlefish you were mentioning? It's, that's cal- uh, it's calcium, you know. Okay. Yeah. And... There's, there's, nutrition is a very complicated thing, you know, like... <laughs> And it's, it's pretty hard to go in there, yeah? Yes. See, you can give them calcium, but got, it's got to be absorbed into the, you know, the bird system. So there's a few other things you, you know, you've got to do to obtain that, yeah? Yes. And apart from giving them the bird seed, what other things do you give to your birds to keep them healthy? Oh, I just give them lots of, you know, like, I give them a variety of everything, but not too much of anything, you know, like uh celery, bok choy, apple, orange, even a bit of banana, you know, all that. And, uh, you know, I'm a big believer in uh, hygiene and, you know, and, you know, that's about it, you know. Okay. And what about yeah. the, the bathing and feather care? How do, what do you do to make sure that your birds stay nice and healthy with um, with their feathers? Well, your, your bath, you can introduce your bath 
every day of the week if you want to. And yeah, and yeah, they'll they'll have a bath and then they'll prune themselves. Yeah, and uh, you know, with their pruning gland, their pruning glands. They'll and uh, the more you bath them, you know, the better they look. Yeah. Mm. And what about, I noticed one of the things in your aviary, in your breeding area, is that you have different perches. One is a round perch like a dale and the other one is like a, a piece of quad. Why do you um, use different perches for your birds? Well, it's just to exercise the feet, you know, with a, with a larger perch that expands the, the foot and then you go to a, uh, a more thinner perch and it closes, so it's an open and closed effect, you know what I mean? Yes, yeah, certainly. So that just exercises their feet, you know. Other than that, you know, they usually end up, if you don't do that, they end up usually end up with, uh, like, sore feet, you know? Yes, yes. And what's the best medium to use to line your bird cages with? What's your views on that? To line them? Yes. With, well, I, I use washed sand. You mean the floor? Yes, yes, the floor. Yeah, wash so. sand is one of the best. A lot of lot of breeders use uh, fine sawdust, or you know, well, if, if, if you can even put paper in the the bottom if you want to, yeah. Yeah, so it's obviously just the good housekeeping to keep disease under control. That's so important. Yes. Yes, yes. So it's it's a rewarding hobby, um, keeping and caring and breeding and showing of canaries. If you want to go into more and then start showing, you know, uh, it's when you start getting recognised on the, you know, the show bench, and then you know, it just more or less snowballs from there. You know, other breeders want to uh, want to come and have a look at your setup and want to, you know, well, want to have a look at your birds and so forth and so forth. So, yeah. And obviously yeah. there's lots of canary clubs that um, are always looking for new members and it's something that you can gain a lot of interest from if you join. Well, anyone that's interested in, you know, like wanting to go into, uh, uh, like, breeding and showing, the best thing is to ring up a, a renowned breeder and that's the best way to start, you know, get some good pairs. And uh, if you join a club and attend the meetings, you know, you get a lot of knowledge. Yes. A lot of knowledge, you know. Yeah, yeah. Because usually after the meeting, they sit down and you know have a have a yarn and you know discuss things and and uh, yeah, and that's where your knowledge comes from. Oh, from, other, from the older breeders, yeah, like because the older breeders there, there's a lot of knowledge there. Yes, yes, I can imagine there would be, and a lot of that will be um, leaving us, I would assume. Well, there are. There's, see that the hobby now is. Oh, it's not as big as it was many, many years ago. You know, there's, there's not too many breeders, you know, and they're getting on, passed on, you know, and, uh, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, well, hopefully still, today still, some people might catch the bird bug and um, and they may become enthusiasts like yourself. Yeah, it's a great hobby and I, I recommend it. Oh, well, thank you. And thank you so much for sharing today. I really appreciate that. Thank you, Cheryl. My pleasure. Good Bye. on you. Thanks so much, Jim Jenkins. Uh, Jim, I hope you weren't suggesting that canary breeders are falling off their perches, mate. (laughs) (laughs) We wouldn't want that. But what a fantastic idea. Thanks so much, Jim Jenkins. What a fantastic idea Jim's got there with the variant of his perches because that would, you would think, 
duplicate what is going on in nature when they jump from branch to branch and get the different thicknesses, as you said, exercising their feet. Would that yeah. be right, Kim? It's, it's really important, Meryl, actually. We see a lot of um, foot problems in companion pet birds um, and a lot of people, you know, when you buy a bird cage, it comes with, you know, usually two or three just straight wooden dowels um, and that's not actually very good for the, for the bird's feet to have that same shape all the time. The other thing we find is that a lot of people um, who don't know, uh, sometimes the bird cage that they buy is maybe a little bit small for the bird that they buy but if the bird's spending a lot of time out of the cage it's not a big deal but if the bird's perch is too small for the foot it puts a lot of pressure on the metatarsal pad in the middle of the foot and we get a lot of um, we call it pododermatitis or bumble foot on the inside so the best thing you can do to keep your bird's feet healthy is to have a lot of real natural perches and and vary the um the, the diameters the shapes you know we often tell people go and get a nice gum branch um clean the bark off of it make sure it's nice and clean if you're particularly worried about it some people talk about um you know for, for smaller birds you can um, dry them out in the oven things like that but just a, a nice good clean branch um that will have a, a good variety in the shape and that's very very useful and making sure that the perches aren't too small so ideally you want to have your bird um standing on the, the central pad of the foot but also on the um, toes a little bit um, so not too flat that they're sort of walking flat, so not so big that they're walking or that they're standing on the flat of all the feet or all the, all the toes, sorry, but also not so small that they're gripping all the way around it. We want to have a nice moderate perch so that the, um, the weight of the bird's body is being distributed through the foot and the toes a bit. Sounds mm. like females in high heels got this dying urge to whistle because we're talking about canaries today. But before we do, we've got a lost budgerigar at Wall's End. Wait for it. He's yellow and green and very friendly. But I don't think he's got a name. So if you do happen to come across a budgerigar, then uh, you can give us a call here at 2NURFM. But also, Dr Kimberly Earl, there's a website for lost, well, not just budgerigars. Yeah, there's um, a website called parrotalert.com. Um, I'm on their list and I get a lot of um, uh, emails on a weekly basis. So if you've ever found or lost a, um, a pet bird, you can go onto their website, you can search the database, find um, you know birds that are missing um, in your area and have a look if the bird that you found uh, matches. Or if you've lost a bird, um, you can go on there and, and basically report report your bird lost and um, and then it sends out notifications so I think I, I get notifications for anything in about a 50 kilometer radius of me um, and, and that usually you know equates to like between one and three birds a week so there's a lot of pet birds going missing either pet and aviary birds going missing um, so definitely go on there and have a look. Mm, so a yellow and green budgerigar if you come across this little budgie in the Walls End area might give it a drink and then get in touch with us and we'll hopefully reunite it with uh, Gary the owner who's worried. To NURFM, good afternoon. Welcome to Pet Chat, Aidan. Hello. Hello, how are you doing? You've got a question about your canaries. Yes. Um, well, I just wanted to know how to get noisy miners <laughs> off them and stop stressing them out. Uh, the, the hard noisy minor question, um, that, that is a really tricky uh, sort of thing because noisy miners are very aggressive and if your birds are outside, it's a, um, a real challenge. So um, ideally, you'd keep them in an enclosed sort of covered over area. The, the, the miners don't have um, good access to them because they have been known to attack canaries through the cage bars. Um, you can certainly look at... Um, uh, trapping the miners. Um, there are some, you can go online, there's a few different uh, um, places you can either order traps from or they give you instructions on how to build them. Um, but it is definitely, a, it's a, a challenging sort of thing. Those miners are pretty aggressive mm -hmm. and they um, and they have it out for your little birds probably. They're trying to get into the cage to get the food. Yeah. Aiden, mm -hmm. how old are you? 
I'm 11. Uh, and mm-hmm. Are you a canary breeder? Are you serious about this, Aiden? <laughs> Yeah, I'm oh, a canary breeder. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, you know, in a few years we might be talking to you on the radio yeah. about canary because Jim's, you know, he's getting on a bit and he wants you young fellas <laughs> to step up. So good That's on right. you. Yeah. Do you go to Canary Club? Uh, no, not yet. Okay, perhaps, you know, perhaps Next in another couple, couple of years, years yeah, yeah, you'll be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that's helped you, Aiden. Good on you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for the call. Why aren't you at school, Aiden? Um... <laughs> I'm homesick. Oh, looking after your canaries. Good on you. Good job. Well done. <laughs> and phoning the radio to check on them as well. So yeah. there you go. Uh, Robin's got a question for us as well. Where are you, Rob? She's disappeared. Here we go. Hello, Robin. Hello. Hi there. How can we help today? I have a beautiful pair of canaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're two years old now. This is their second uh, season. And they've laid eggs both seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, this time she's sat on one for one egg after chucking all the rest of them out. Mm -hmm. She sat on it for about two weeks, and, of course, nothing happened, so I broke them all open. They were infertile. Uh, The male doesn't sing at all. She peeks when I'm doing something to the cage. Mm -hmm. It's a great big cage. They've got everything possible that they can you know, to, to live healthily with, yep. um, vegetable-wise, seed-wise, uh, yeah. egg biscuit-wise. Okay. What do I do? <laughs> um, well, it's it's a little bit hard to, to say for sure. So sometimes it's just a matter of they, they take a little while to get it right. Um, so, you know, it's not uncommon for young birds who are breeding to, to sometimes have um, clutches of sterile eggs, and it might just mean that the female's more ready than the male is. Um, yeah, she seems to be chasing <clears throat> him around the cage yeah, rather yeah. than the other way around. That's right. Um, occasionally we'll have a bird who, um, you know, that we do certainly see reproductive issues in, in them, and um, statistically it, it has happened, you know, that, that sometimes they just aren't cut out for so, having babies. Um we, I've had occasions where it's not actually a male bird, where you've actually got two females. But um, well, he's trying to sing. He's yeah. trying, you can see him from the side. He's actually yeah. making the motions of singing. Yeah. And I did have a male just as a singer before. A yeah. Pavarotti used to sit there and sing and sing <laughs> and sing. Yeah. This, this one's throat goes. But nothing comes but out. No, no sound. Okay. So I mean, there's some other things too. Air sac mites and things like that. If they're not in good health, sometimes the um, no, they're perfectly know, healthy and there's no sign of anything. Yeah. Them or, you know, no, not... but you won't necessarily see air sac mites because they're inside the body. So if they've had oh. a voice change, um, okay. that is a possibility. Um, so you could always, you know, look at having having them checked out by a, a veterinarian who um, sees right. birds because that's certainly a possibility as well. Um, okay, what I, sort I think of mites is that? They're called air sac mites. Okay. So they're inside the bird's body in the air sacs and the airways. Um, mm. so you won't see them on the outside. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So... All the um, best okay, with that, so Robert. Just keep on trying with the same, keep same on trying. gentleman, or will yeah. I get another male? Well, I, I'd give him another go. You know, give them another sort of time to to lay and see how they go. But if he's not um, producing after a little while, then yeah, he might just be a bit of a dad. Thank you very, very much. You're welcome. <laughs> it you. sounds like you've got the honeymoon suite set up there for them, Robin. Well, it is. They've, they've made a beautiful, beautiful nest. I put all yeah. the nesting material there. They 
they wove it beautifully mm. and it's all ready for these <laughs> eggs. And yeah, You know what they... you need to do, Robin? This is the bit that you've missed. Uh, yes. You know, the candlelight dinners are one thing, but they need some music, so play them some 2NUR FM you know music. Well, I even did that. I'm not 2NUR this time because I always have 2NUR mm. anyway, but I actually played them recorded canary music to see if I'd get any response. <laughs> It oh, didn't happen. Robin, can you can you let us know if these birds actually breed? Can you please phone in a few weeks and say it's Robin and the canaries? We've hit gold. We've got some babies. Yeah, okay, <laughs> good then. on you. I will Thanks. do. Bye bye. <laughs> to NURFM's pet chat, and you know, helping the romance with your canaries, we can only do our best. Are we uh, are we going to talk about skin, Dr. Kimberley? Yeah, we can. Yeah, I mean, we're we're on a bit of a roll with the bird things too, and and um, canaries seem to be quite popular. Um, we are seeing a lot of um, skin dogs around these days, so I guess we can go into that. Um, I guess warm weather, humid weather, we're starting to see a lot of fleas. Um, fleas coming back up. We've had some warm weather um, following some wet, uh, and that's a big time for our parasites, our fleas and ticks, to be coming out. Um, there you go. Um, so I guess the things, itchy pets. So what we're, what we're often finding is with our dogs and um, cats, but particularly our dogs, we're starting to see people coming in saying, my dog's really red and itchy. He's biting around his tail. He's licking at his feet. He's got this moist sore spot. And some of the things that we can do to address that um, at home prior to getting to a stage where you need to come into a veterinarian, we want to be making sure that um, your dogs are um, clipped, ideally. So not they don't have to be totally short, but if they've got mats, anything like that, we want to get the mats away. So from behind the ears, in between the toes, around the backside, um, a lot of dogs will get mats there, and that can be... Um, when, you, when you say mats... In their fur, do, do they like get matted, ma- fur. matted fur. Yeah, yeah, now. matted sure. fur. Yep, okay. um, and those are going to be prime areas for um, flea nests to come up, even just moisture trapping at the at the skin and irritation at the skin. Um, immaculate flea control. You know, people a lot of times people say, "Well, I don't use flea control. I never see fleas on my dog." Um, one of the main issues we see is allergic skin disease in dogs, and the the number one culprit to that is fleas. So these are not dogs that have a flea infestation. They're not itchy because the fleas are crawling through their fur. They're itchy because they've got an allergy to the flea saliva and a single flea bite can cause an inflammatory reaction that lasts a number of days or even a few weeks. Um, The best thing you can do is to have your dog on some sort of a really good quality systemic flea control product so that they don't get that sensitization, don't develop those allergies and if they've already developed them then it's even more important to make sure that we've got them on a really really good flea control. If you're in an environment that has a lot of fleas and we want to try to decontaminate your environment as much as possible to a certain degree, you just have to wait out the life cycle of the of the fleas, um, wait for the flea eggs to hatch because nothing really kills the eggs. I think we've talked about that at some point in the past. But you, there's certainly things washing all the bedding, maybe doing a flea bomb in your house, um, getting your lawn cut short, and if you you know spray underneath the um, the house if your dog likes to go lie underneath the house, those sorts so of things. So is that in, as in pest control? Spray, yeah, pest control. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah that sort fleas. of thing can can be helpful. Yeah, um, using some really good um, you know good quality moisturizing shampoos because um, dry skin is always going to be more reactive than a nice, healthy, sort of moisture-rich sort of skin. Um, and particularly, we want to um, encourage people to avoid products that have things like tea tree and, um, you know, not using Dettol on your dogs, things like that. Their skin is a lot more fragile mm. um, than ours is. So just because it works on us doesn't mean it's going to work on your dog. Um, and although there are quite a few products on the market that have tea tree, it's actually not recommended to use on your dog's skin, certainly not on broken skin um, of a dog because it's actually irritant to them. Um, so, you know, I think getting early and 
um, you know, if you're noticing redness, itching, things like that, those are the sorts of things that you can do at home. If you start to notice scabs on your dog, they're bleeding a little bit, um, or you part the hair and you think, oh, this area is sort of yellowy, moist looking, um, that's a pretty good indication you need to get them up to a vet because most of the time those dogs are going to require some level of antibiotics or some sort of a, um, you know, prescription prescription strength cream or ointment, that kind of thing to try to help them out. So that's like a thrush or something, is it, Kimberly? Or Usually it's bacterial dermatitis. Oh, okay. So it's it's almost always a, um, a staph, uh, excuse me, staph or a strep type infection. Oh. Okay. Skin, yeah. We've got a wonderful little dog called Storm. Cheryl, do you want to share Storm's story? Oh, isn't he just so gorgeous? Yes, I would love to, Meryl. Well, we're inviting all Kelpie lovers to have a look at this gorgeous little boy, Storm. He's five months old. He's your typical energetic young boy who loves to play and he's so full of cheek. Storm has discovered in foster care that he's a working dog breed and as such is taking his job of chasing flies very seriously. He also fancies himself as a bit of a sheep herder and he's happy to round up the other dogs that he currently lives with. Storm would be a great working dog on a farm and he has all of the instincts of the breed. As he's just coming out of the puppy biting stage at this stage, um, losing his teeth and they're falling out and being replaced, he can still be a little bit nippy and um, at times, so it's not recommended that he be around small children while he's going through this stage. Can I just ask you, Kimberly, on that? Yeah. If we've got a pup like that who does get a bit nippy, what's the best way to nip that in the bud? <laughs> Excuse the pun, but, you know, I mean, obviously this little dog is, yeah. you know, so yeah. we don't want him to go on to become a full-blown biter. Yeah. You know, just briefly. What, yeah, what I mean, the... The, the biggest issue is, um, you know, if he's biting at a hand, that's, that's usually hands and arms that they're looking at. Um, or that they're biting um so just a good no and then you replace it with something he's allowed to have a nice chew toy a bone that sort of thing um and just be really consistent Uh, definitely monitoring very carefully with the um, small children because sometimes they can get uh, a little bit out of hand a little bit too excited um lots and lots of chew toys lots of exercise at this age um you know makes a really big difference and just being consistent um we don't recommend hitting or um flicking noses or anything like that we just really want a, a good firm sort of no replace it directly into the mouth with something that they are allowed to have. And if they're getting too worked up and too excited, then I, I would time them out too. Um, just Ooh. not, you don't get to be around the family, the pack right now. You're just too excited. Calm down when you're, when you're, you know, in a better um, frame of mind to listen, then we can, you know, play and have interactions again. We so, can talk about yeah. it there. Yes. Back, back to you, Cheryl, and our beautiful <laughs> dog Storm. Okay. With all that puppy teething business aside, Storm is one smart pup and he's very responsive to positive reward training. He has already learned to to do his name, he knows his name, he can sit and he's getting better with his um, stay. He's also learning the three other dogs that he lives with and how to play and interact appropriately with him. Um, He's doing exceptionally well with house training and he's beginning to take himself to the back door to be let out. Storm sleeps inside the house with his foster brothers, either in a crate or sometimes on top of it. (laughs) Storm would love to be adopted by a couple who have time to put into training with him. And um, and to include him as part of their family by allowing him inside with the family as much as is practical. Um, Storm will also need secure fencing and a substantial walk or run every day. <laughs> Obviously, with an active breed like this, we need to keep them happy with their um, exercise. Exercise, mm. absolutely. Um, so if you'd like further information, you can call Anita on 0400 107603 or visit www dogrescuenewcastle.com.au 
Storm's adoption fee is $450 and this covers his desexing, his microchipping, vaccination, worming and lifetime registration. And he is a gorgeous looking boy. And he's on the 2NURFM website. If you click on our website and then just scroll down to the community section and scroll down there underneath our A-League tipping competition, you'll see a beautiful shot of Storm and he's kind of got his head (laughs) cocked on the side with his little tongue hanging out. And then there's another one of him looking very muscular and athletic indeed. Yeah, that's so cute. Certainly looks like a great dog. And with those breeds, it really is important if you don't have acreage or a bit of space do they need like a couple of walks a day or, or uh, ball tossing? Like yeah, they, need, they really they need, need quite a lot of exercise. Um, you know, working dogs, they they will um, become very neurotic and have major, you know, behavioural problems if they don't get enough um, exercise and, and uh, energy burning. And, and they're clever dogs. They need something to do. They need a job to do. So, um, you know, not really suited to an inner city um, home unless you're the type of person who's going to go for a five kilometre run every day and take the dog with you. Um, yeah, they, they want to have something to do. So a bit of property is good. Um, you know, I'd say these guys need some off-leash running time every day. So, you know, it's hard with puppies because we need to make sure that their recall training is really good. But then as soon as it is, um, you know, taking them down to the dog beach or the dog park and giving them some off-lead time, giving them some ball-chasing time makes a really big difference. Dr. Kimberly Earle from Edgeworth Animal Medical Centre, thank you for your time today. And Cheryl Shaw from Dog Overboard, thank you so much. And thanks for bringing those gorgeous little canaries uh, to our attention with. <laughs> We've had a lot of fun with them today. Yeah, that's been a lot of fun. Cheers. Thanks, girls. We'll see you next time.